listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the program, and we begin with everybody being outraged. And in this particular case, it's all regarding a student agenda that kids in the TDSB and also in York Region were sent home with. If you're a parent of a young child, you know what these things are. They are a mandatory buy for you every year. you got to buy the agenda. It's not a lot of money, but it's the thing that you use to communicate with your teacher, and it comes home with the details of what's going on during the day. And on the cover is usually something innocuous, innocuous rather, pardon me, except for this time... A number of agendas are being recalled because of the image on the front cover. You can see that image by just going online to globalnews.ca, type in the words student agenda, and our globalnews.ca story will pop right up. And there it is for you. And I will try and describe for you why this has suddenly become a news story. It is now being recalled. The York Region District School Board and the TDSB say student planners are being recalled because of, quote, an inappropriate cartoon depiction of students that perpetuate stereotypes and stigmatize children from racialized backgrounds. According to a statement on the York District website, a small number of schools received the agendas. According to the TDSB, it's two schools. It's not going to cost a whole lot of money to replace these. According to a letter sent home from Elkhorn Public School in North York, parents will not have to be paying any more money. It will be taken care of by the TDSB. Here is my best description of the agenda. It is a colorful drawing very primitive in a way, very sort of stick drawing, of a planet, a world, and around the world are children, all holding hands, one by one. There is a young girl with a bow in her hair. There is different colored faces in terms of skin tone. There is what is clearly a young black girl with dreadlocks or with uh, hair with... uh, would you say, adorned by beads in it. But here is perhaps where the problem really lies, and it is with the depiction of what is clearly meant to be a young Asian boy, and the eyes are drawn slanted. You can picture this in your mind. Very simple stick drawing, if you were to draw one. And in that particular instance, it jumps out at you, and you have to ask yourself, is that appropriate? Now, where did this come from, you ask? Well, cartoon images were supplied by Laurentian Appel. Now, this is uh, an agency that provides this kind of thing, and you can go online right now to their website, and you can actually flip through, as I have, all the various agenda choices. This one, by the way, is number two on the list. So that gives you a sense of perhaps how much time people at the TDSB in York Region actually spent on this. The rest of them are very similar in terms of simple drawings, very inclusive, very, you know, many races, many backgrounds. But only this one, 
as this particular depiction with the eyes like this. Interesting story. Stay with us here on Global News Radio for more on that and Global News TV tonight, Global News at 5.30 and 6. We'll have more on this story. All right, let's get to the politics real quick, shall we? Here's Justin Trudeau this morning promising to increase old age security by an extra 10% once a senior turns 75 and boost the Canada Pension Plan survivor's benefit by 25%. Plus, while he makes those promises, he says Andrew Scheer's promises don't add up. And I will remind you uh, that Stephen Harper's government cut benefits for seniors by raising the retirement age from 65 to 67. And he didn't campaign on that. He didn't promise he was going to do that. He just went ahead and did it. And the Conservatives will do that again. They're trying to pretend that you can get all of Stephen Harper's credits without getting any of his cuts. That's just not credible. That is the Prime Minister speaking this morning with his bit of a you know line there. That's just not credible. Tax credits, you got that? You following along? Okay, simple question next from the press gallery. Here goes. Here's the question and the answer. Andrew Scheer says you're going to have to raise taxes uh, to pay for your deficits, to pay for all this uh, new spending. What's your response? Will you have to raise people's taxes for all these promises you're making? We are the party that has lowered taxes for Canadians. We lowered taxes for the middle class as the first thing we did by raising them on the wealthiest 1%. We've consistently invested in the middle class, things like the Canada Child Benefit, things like the increase of the Guaranteed Income Supplement, because we know that when you put more money in Canadians' pockets, they do better and the economy does better. Is that actually an answer? Now here's a poll, recent poll. Does it square with what you think? Liberal leader Justin Trudeau has leapt ahead of his rival Conservative leader Andrew Scheer in Canadians' estimations of whom would make the best Prime Minister. That's a new poll, Ipsos poll, conducted exclusively for Global News between September 11th and 13th. 37% of Canadians surveyed say they think Trudeau is best suited for the role of Prime Minister. And that is a seven-point jump compared to mid-August. Meanwhile, the federal conservatives say they can find $1.5 billion in savings each year by eliminating some of the federal funding received by businesses. Scheer was at a barbershop in Hamilton this morning to make this announcement. He says conservative government, if he forms government, will review all federal business subsidies and eliminate programs where funds benefit shareholders. Now, the conservatives have thus far pledged tax cuts, grants, Credits, all of it, exceeding $9 billion. Scheer says he's going to pay for it by having different priorities. But how, possibly, will all of this add up? We'll also show Canadians exactly how we'll accomplish uh, the goals of returning back to balanced budgets so that the government stops borrowing money. Justin Trudeau has added billions of dollars to the national debt, which means more and more of your tax dollar is going to pay the interest to banks and bondholders. So it's important that we get back to balanced budgets. We'll do that over a responsible period of time, a five-year period, and we will show Canadians exactly how we're going to do that. We are in the portion of the campaign now where everybody is promising you everything. And none of it seems to add up. Mr. Shear says, well, listen, we will tell you how it will all add up. But I'll tell you right now, there will be holes poked in that. That is simply the, uh, the job of the other parties.
to the NDP. And here's another promise, free dental care for households making under $70,000 starting next year if the NDP wins a federal mandate. That announcement coming in Sudbury, the party says it would immediately implement a public dental plan that covered, to cover uninsured Canadians. Dental care would be free for households making under $70,000 with a sliding co-payment for those earning between seventy dollars and $90,000 a year. I will ask this question, as I have asked of the last two leaders, how are you going to pay for this? Again, it's about choices. Uh, $860 million to assure that... Uh 4.3 million Canadians have dental services is a priority for us. What's not a priority is what Mr. Trudeau did last year. Cut uh, corporate taxes, basically gave $14 billion to the wealthiest corporations so that they could buy corporate jets and limos. That is Jugmeet Singh speaking in Sudbury today, answering the question, how are you going to pay for the kind of promises you're making, including free dental care? Now, he goes through a sliding scale of what that will cost, and that has been costed out, but in terms of the entire platform, that becomes more problematic. And then you get that answer, which is, you know, how can you pay for this? Well, it's like, well, we'll just pay for things differently than the other guy. And that's not exactly how budgeting works, but it's the way way that campaigning works. Breaking news coming to you from the London area where the Middlesex London Health Unit is set to hold a news conference this afternoon regarding a youth diagnosed with an illness that health officials say is linked to vaping. Few details yet have been shared about the illness, but a release from the Middlesex London Health Unit says the youth has, quote, been diagnosed with severe respiratory illness that has been linked to the individual's use of vaping products. And the news conference comes nearly two weeks after a Health Canada warning to Canadians that vaping products can carry a risk of pulmonary illness. Health Canada has also previously stated there have been no known vaping-related illnesses reported in the country. That may change this afternoon. There have been seven reported deaths from vaping-related illnesses in the United States. And Ontario's health minister has now ordered that all public hospitals to report vaping-related cases of severe pulmonary disease. Christine Elliott says she has become increasingly concerned now about the possible health consequences of vaping, but there is a lack of data in the province to be able to understand exactly what's going on here. And the minister joined Kelly Cutrera a little earlier to talk about vaping. We need to collect more information on the scope of the problem here. We know that it's a significant problem in the United States. Um, We know that there are issues with it here, but we don't have enough information to be able to say definitively we should take one step or another. So Elliot says the data will be critical as the government discusses the problem with experts on solutions to the potential dangers in vaping. And here's more on the actual order that Elliot issued this morning. We want to receive that information from public hospitals in Ontario and that that they will provide our chief medical officer of health with that so we can put things together and come forward with a plan and a solution that is going to help our young people particularly. 
That is Health Minister Christine Elliott talking about an order issued to hospitals in this province to collect data to possibly shed some light on what is going on with vaping and young people. Because at this point, we really just don't have the evidence that we need, that clearly we need to know. And some of that will come this afternoon, it sounds like, when that news conference happens in London. And stay with us here on Global News Radio as we bring that to you. More details on an issue that we've talked about quite a bit on this program, and that is the prevalence of vaping, especially among young people, and the concern that something is up, possibly in the supply, that there may be a contaminant. And some of the investigations now are looking at mods and how kids are modifying uh, existing vapes to be able to either vape cannabis oil or other things or just to be able to change them. And is that possibly part of the situation? And and the trouble is, again, we don't have the information. And we also, this are, we're dealing with young people who are in many cases sometimes vaping something that's illegal. Namely, we haven't got, even though cannabis is legal here, it's not legal in that form, not yet. So there's a reluctance to talk about it. So we don't know what we're dealing with it. Dealing with health officials in the United States are investigating hundreds of cases of serious breathing problems in people who use vaping devices. Now, again, I said Health Canada says no cases here, but that looks like it's going to change. You're supposed to watch for the following symptoms like a cough, shortness of breath, chest pain. Now, healthcare professionals are supposed to ask patients about their vaping use if they have any respiratory issues. And here again is the Minister of Health for this province saying that these vapes are too easily obtained by kids. It's not just the the, the flavored uh, types, but I know that they are aimed at young people. But there are other things that I, I have heard sort of anecdotally that are going on in high schools and that a lot of these devices can be disguised quite readily mm-hmm. and that there are students who are uh, vaping in classrooms. So why is it that we don't move then to do something about this, either banning flavored uh, vapes, or do this. India's government has decided to ban e-cigarettes entirely, expressing concern at the alarming rate at which vaping is becoming popular among the country's youth. The ban was approved by the Indian cabinet. The government is expected to issue an ordinance soon prohibiting the manufacture, import, export, transport, sale, and distribution and advertising anything related to e-cigarettes. Should we be following suit? Is that what it is going to take? I think you know the answer is that is not going to happen. Simply, it's too late. All you have to go do is go to a school, hang out outside of high school, vapes everywhere. Here's the minister again talking about what they're going to do with this information they get from hospitals. What needs to be done in in schools, for example? How do they help um, uh, prevent uh, vaping in classrooms and washrooms and so on? In some schools now in the United States, they have removed the doors on the bathroom stalls because vaping has become such an issue. 
Kids just going to the bathroom, you know, smoking in the bathroom. Remember that was a thing? You know, like with a cigarette? Like it's like somehow like somehow the entire world wouldn't know you were having a cigarette? I, I don't understand how that ever happened, really. Apparently that was a thing at some point. But now it's vapes, and they're odorless, mostly. Or if there is an odor, it dissipates within a few seconds. It's such an issue that, that schools have now had to go to this kind of extent. It is a big issue and something we're going to stay on top of here on this radio program. The international plowing match went yesterday. We talked quite a bit about that yesterday. This is this uh, regular annual event where all politicians, especially all politicians in Ontario, must go, and then they try and plow a straight furrow. Jugmeet Singh was there, federally stopped in as well. This is a big poll. This is the sort of thing that politicians absolutely have to do to prove their rural and agricultural bona fides must be there. Well, Doug Ford was there, and he took questions which is the first time that he's taken questions since the beginning of the campaign, of the federal campaign. There were questions about whether or not he was a detriment to Andrew Scheer. He said, if Andrew Scheer had my kind of numbers, he'd be forming government. Here is what the premier had to say about stickers, namely those anti-carbon tax stickers that are supposed to be on gas pumps throughout this great province, but have been seem to be not sticky enough. They seem to be coming away. As as I think maybe we can sum up the situation, it's it's gone from being sticky to just tacky. Here's Doug Ford reacting to it. Do you believe that? It's like the shoemaker's daughter not getting shoes. They have to pull me off the ceiling when I hear the stickers are coming off. They didn't use deco labels, that's why. <laughs> but no, all joking aside... Uh, you know, things like that happen. We're, we'll make sure we get the proper stickers made. But uh, hey, I agree 100%. Okay. Is, are you getting, like, is it the same company that's going to. You know, I got to talk or? to Minister Rickford, but uh, again, uh, that company messed up and, and yeah. we're, we're going to get it fixed. Was it the wrong order that was put in? Like, no, no. We, they, I, heard, I, I they heard the specs. I know. No, 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 no. I saw the specs outdoor and laminated and so on and so forth. Never happened. So. Anyways, we'll uh, we'll get it fixed. Okay, if I if I if I if I was allowed to donate them, I would believe me, <laughs> but I'm not allowed to. That is Doug Ford speaking yesterday about the non-sticky stickers that are supposed to be on gas station pumps right across the province. I was filling up just a couple of days ago looking for them. There was only one. There was only one sticker at all of the pumps where I was, and it was in French. And it was half peeled off. I'm not kidding you. It was already half peeled off. Uh, So I peeled it all the rest of the way off and turned it upside down. Because, but I left it there. And you have to ask yourself, how is the province actually going to follow through with fines for not having the stickers that don't stick? It's a boondoggle, folks. It's just plain tacky. Now, The Premier was also booed yesterday, except for the Premier says, well, no, 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 no. No farmers are booing me. This was the NDP. The NDP booed me, and that was inappropriate. Here is the Premier talking about kind of going off a little bit on Andrea Horvath and the NDP House leader, Gilles Bisson. 
I just told Andrew, I'm so disappointed with Andrew Horvath and our team. They're absolutely classless to do that. Uh, we, we would never, ever do that to the NDP. And and uh, I had words with her and uh, also with Jill and a couple of members. It was totally uncalled for. Uh, this community didn't matter what political stripe you come from. Uh, they were very hospitable to us. And it's a shame that uh, the NDP and, and Andrew Horvath would bring bring that uh, to this this environment. It's it's absolutely uncalled for. Uh, the, I think everyone knows how much we love the farmers, how much we supported the fam uh, the farmers uh, since we've been in office for the last 14 months. And uh, again, it just came from the NDP. So I'm, I'm disappointed with them. That is Premier Doug Ford. Speaking at the international plowing match, talking about how disappointed he was that the NDP booed him. Now, this from the perceived frontrunner in the liberal leadership, the race to replace Kathleen Wynne as the leader of the Ontario Liberals. Former Minister Stephen Del Duca tweeting out yesterday, I hear that Ford Nation has decided to emerge from hiding he was booed? Share your pics and videos. Most interesting one gets you lunch on me next time I'm in your community. So now we actually have a political leader, one aspiring to lead the Liberal Party of this province. And let me tell you, folks, as I see it right now, I don't see how anybody beats Stephen Del Duca. He has a big lead. I don't see how anybody beats him. It's possible still, but he likely it will be the next liberal leader. And now he is saying, I will buy you lunch if you boo Doug Ford and send me a video. That's essentially what that is. Is that appropriate? And plus, to hear Doug Ford say we would never do something like that to the NDP. We would never boo. Has anybody been to the House recently? Listen, I know that he doesn't want to call back government. The House isn't sitting right now because he wants to be quiet during the federal election. But next time you see what happens in the House, I don't think that Mr. Ford really has an opportunity to be high and mighty here. In fact, none of them do. A pox on all their houses. Welcome back to the program. Time for a quick spin through the campaign with a campaign update. The federal conservatives say they can find $1.5 billion in savings each year by eliminating some of the federal funding received by businesses. At a barbershop in Hamilton this morning, conservative leader Andrew Scheer said the money can be found by ending wasteful business subsidies as part of a wide-ranging review of programs that benefit corporate executives, foreign companies, and others. The amount of money that the government of Canada spends on these types of uh, pr uh, programs, uh, as high as some some indicate as high as seven billion dollars, and we believe with this type of review, establishing these types of criteria, we can save Canadian taxpayers about uh, at least 1.5 billion dollars every year. That is Andrew Scheer speaking. In the first seven days of the federal election campaign, the Conservatives have so far pledged tax credits, cuts, and grants exceeding nine billion dollars, which Scheer has said he will pay for 
by having different priorities than the existing government. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau is promising to do more to boost incomes for seniors, widows, and widowers. At a campaign stop in Fredericton this morning, Trudeau said a re-elected Liberal government would increase old age security by an extra 10% once a senior turns 75 and will boost the Canada Pension Plan survivor's benefit by 25%. These measures will increase benefits for most seniors by $729 next year. And that number will continue to rise each year with inflation. And that's on top of the money seniors have already received from the positive changes we've made to OAS and GIS. That is Liberal leader Justin Trudeau. Trudeau spends most of this day in New Brunswick before moving on to Nova Scotia for a campaign event this evening. Jagmeet Singh says an NDP government would extend full public dental coverage to households making less than $70,000 a year. He says his plan would be a first step towards including dentistry in public health care for all Canadians. Essentially, we're delivering a federal government insurance plan to cover those Canadians who have no coverage. That is an immediate plan that will immediately lift 4.3 million people out of the position where they have no public or private insurance. This is an immediate solution. It is bold. It is exciting. I'm kind of getting goosebumps when I think about it. Singh making that announcement this morning in Sudbury at a clinic that trains dental hygienists. Quick update on some of the developments in the campaign today. Now, from my hometown, the city of Burlington is looking at reducing roadside begging by targeting drivers. The mayor of Burlington has pitched an idea of ticketing drivers who give to roadside panhandlers. On my drive into Chorus Key this morning, there was a gentleman on the road, on Lakeshore, underneath the underpass, going through traffic, aggressively knocking on windows, uh, obviously causing a, a bit of a traffic problem, but also a, a safety thing for himself, obviously, as the cars got going. So in the city of Burlington, the mayor says, perhaps we should ticket the drivers who pay the panhandlers, who put the money into the outstretched hand. She proposed that the practice of handing something to someone outside a vehicle while an engine is running constitutes distracted driving. In other words, if you're going to be checking your phone, checking your gram, then you shouldn't be rolling down the window and handing cash out the window. I wonder what you think of that, what you make of that. Meanwhile, an end of days. This is terrifying to me. Feral cats are taking over. 17,000 feral cats could be roaming the city and somehow i don't understand why this apparently is a good thing there's a lot less of this than there was about a decade ago according to the toronto humane society in the early 2000s estimates put the feral cat population at about 100,000 across the city the reason for the decline Programs that trap, neuter, and release cats, which return them to their colonies, unable to make more kittens. Which is a good thing. Life on the streets isn't great for kitty. Most feral kittens die within six months. Even adult cats don't live much beyond two years. Dave Woodard, Global News. Cats. Why is it always got to be cats? Margaret Trudeau is taking the stage at Just for Laughs, but it is not all about comedy. 
While the show about her storied life has some funny moments, don't be fooled, Trudeau is also broaching the more serious topics in her show, Certain Woman of an Age. Her isolation is wife to former Prime Minister of Canada, Pierre Trudeau, the tragic death of her son, and her lifelong battle with mental illness. Here is Margaret Trudeau in conversation with my Global News co-anchor, Farah Nasser. I don't know why, but from quite a young age, well, when Pierre Trudeau tracked me down and asked me out on our first date, uh, I've had quite a, a big life. I've had a very glamorous life. I've had a very sad life. I have suffered uh, uh, from bipolar. Uh, it's a mental disorder, which is deep, deep depressive lows where life loses all its meaning. It's the thief. Depression is the thief. It takes you away, isolates you. And then manic highs, where you feel like you're touching heaven, and you can have all kinds of delusions about yourself, your power, your, and you can have no consideration for anyone else because you can't access reason in your brain because of all of this dopamine making you manic. So I went through years of untreated bipolar, and I had such struggles. I also had great triumphs, but you know. The worst thing happened to me, and I lost my boy, and then two years later, Pierre uh, lost his, his life, and my world just ended. It just shattered into a million pieces. There was no more me after that, and I had to rebuild myself. I had, you know, uh, an intervention. I had the police take me into the hospital finally, uh, strapped down, because I was so resistant. I was so ill, and I didn't know it. I knew it. I was ill. I didn't know that I was that ill. Did you think it was because you were in the public eye? Do you think? Oh, I thought that the, my life would hard. drive anyone half mad, <laughs> anyone at all. Yeah. I was just me. Uh, no, I was seriously ill and emaciated and uh, near death because I, I've my kidneys were beginning to shut down. So I, I finally had no choice. I had to make the choice to be well, and I, I, I lucked out. I had a, the best doctor. I, I loved my doctor. I respected him. I listened to him, and he took my hand, and he helped me get better. But the truth is that the doctor can't make you better. The pills can't make you better. It's something inside that just says, I am not living like that one more day. I need to be back to myself. My struggles began after the birth of my second child, which, Farah, we know is that postpartum is real, and you must, young mothers, don't put on a mask, don't pretend everything is perfect, and then go in the bathroom and cry your heart out. Let it out, because if you can close the neuropathway to depression right away, you won't relapse again and again and again throughout your life. So early treatment, nipping it in the bud, opening up to the beautiful reality that there is somebody out there who can help you. Get the cobwebs, get the confusion out, get hope back. You, yeah. uh, you have been uh, such a strong voice in this, and I hope this show, because you're so candid, inspires <laughs> yeah, others to go candid. out and, and get help. Thank you so much for joining oh, us. Oh, Farah, thank, thank you. you. How lovely. Thank, thank you. you. That is Margaret Trudeau in conversation with Farah Nasser on Global News. You can catch Certain Woman of an Age at Jane Mallet Theatre in Toronto between September 19th to the 22nd. Four shows.
An update on a couple of stories in Oakville. A 29-year-old man from Brantford now faces a dozen charges after allegedly steering t- stealing tires and rims after vehicle, uh, vehicles parked at Go Transit stations. You may recall seeing the photos of trucks just up on blocks after their tires and rims were ripped off. Halton Regional Police saying the string of alleged thefts taking place at the stations between August 21st and September 11th. The man now faces 43 charges, including 13 counts each of theft under $5,000 and mischief to property. Also, keeping our eye on what's happening later this week, especially if you have kids in school, students in Canada are expected to participate in climate events beginning on Friday. And some school boards, including the TDSB, are encouraging or are moving to allow kids to miss class. The University of British Columbia, the Toronto District School Board, Montreal's Dawson College, amongst the institutions taking measures to support students who plan to walk out of class, is part of a global call to action. Keep your eye on that. That is expected to go later this week. Big Brothers Big Sisters, a 106-year-old organization, is being reinvented and reintroduced. The new mission of Big Brothers Big Sisters is to enable life-changing mentoring relationships to ignite the power and potential of young people. Matthew Chater is president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Canada and joins me on the line. Hello. Hello, and thank you for having me. Why the need for a reinvention and reintroduction? That is a great question. And uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters is really the uh, the most human brand uh, that there there is. And we wanted to be able to demonstrate the need for uh, critical developmental relationships. So modernizing and uh, putting together an, a, a brand that's reflective of the inclusive nature and what we aspire to to create in community was important. There are so many worthwhile causes out there. It is difficult sometimes to rise above the fray and to get yourself heard. Is that part of this? Yeah, absolutely. And we are strong champions of other uh, social service organizations across across this country. Uh, but recognizing the unique. Uh, um, uh, aspect of Big Brothers Big Sisters, creating those developmental relationships, igniting the power of three, uh, where there's the, the the mentee, the big, and our organization, uh, recognizing the importance of those three folks coming together, working to create positive change in community, and having those relationships take place in community is uh, that point of differentiation. And so we are uh, very proud to, uh, to share this new brand to excite and engage a new generation of volunteers and donors so that when people are looking to give of their time and of their dollars, uh, they're making informed decision uh, into an organization that uh, creates transformative change. I, th- I think people understand what Big Brothers and Big Sisters do and does and stands for. I think there is a there's an ingrained understanding about that. Right. I, I think that maybe perhaps is the issue that people think it's it's sort of all or nothing and I just I mean I simply don't have what would be required and therefore I can't do anything to help. Yeah, that's a it's a that's a great question. And I I think there's 
there's a lot of people that give consideration to becoming a, a big brother or a big sister. Uh, they may reflect on their day and think, how could I possibly uh, in, include or give of my time when my time is so limited? What uh, we always encourage people to do is to think about those little moments that take place uh, throughout, uh, throughout your week or that you might do over a weekend that a young person might enjoy experiencing with you. Uh, that if you enjoy doing arts crafts, if you enjoy spending time uh, at uh, uh, going for a walk or uh, uh, doing any little thing in community, it, we know that those simple acts create uh, significant impact. So I would encourage people who are, are thinking about becoming a mentor to take a look at our video, take a look at our, our new website, uh, and, and think, uh, uh, think about whether or not this might be the time to, to give to uh, uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters and a young person in your community. Matthew Chater is the president and CEO of Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Canada, which today is being reinvented and reintroduced to the world. Thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me, Alan. Let's check the dictionary, shall we? Anything new in there? Well, looky, looky. Merriam-Webster has added new definitions, including to they, the word they. Declared now, Merriam-Webster has, that the pronoun may be used to refer to a single person whose gender identity is non-binary. They is a liberating pronoun for many non-binary individuals who identify as genders other than male or female. That announcement coming out from Merriam-Webster on Tuesday. Also, there are some other new words in the dictionary. And to talk more about that, I am pleased to welcome back to the program Laura Hensley, our Global News National Online Journalist. Hi. Hey, Alan. So let's start with they and the significance of that. Certainly. So Merriam-Webster, including they as a pronoun that can be used for individuals who do not identify as male or female, is really important. You know, it's sort of signifying that for people who are non-binary, their identity is now being recognized in a formal way, which, like you mentioned, is really liberating. So People can use they to refer to a single person who sort of falls outside of a male or female identity. Does this feel uh, transformational to you in terms of, I mean, I, you know, th- we see this every year. There's new words in the dictionary. We're going to go through some of them, and some of them are kind of ridiculous. <laughs> you know, they go into the dictionary, and they may be a, sort of a, a word of the day or a word of, you know, th- that year. But this seems to be something much more significant. Certainly, I think that society's having a you know a more under a deeper understanding, I should say, of what it means to identify um, as gender diverse. So we're learning more about what it means to be gender queer, non-conforming to a certain gender, non-binary. And people in Hollywood, like for example, Sam Smith, a singer, he recently came out and said, "I am non-binary. My pronouns are they and them." And I think that sort of shows that this is something that's not going away. This is something that's been happening for a long time, and now we're actually understanding it. So unlike the trendy words of the year, they is something that I think is really important to note. And I know that there will be listeners out there who will say, this is ridiculous, it's he or she, you know, there is no they, there is no such thing as binary. There's going to be a kickback to this. Oh, certainly. I mean, I think people who don't understand what it means to identify, you know, 
outside of the male or female spectrum don't understand. But for people who are non-binary, this is a big move. This is saying we recognize you. We recognize your gender identity. And it's significant enough that we're putting it in the dictionary and other people need to pay attention to that. Laura Hensley is a Global News National Online journalist. We are talking about the new words that have just been added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And here on my list, the very last one, and this one stood out to me, dad joke. (laughs) You don't make any of those, do you, Alan? (laughs) I think by definition. In fact, in my house, we refer to uh, anchor jokes. They're actually a subset of dad jokes. They're worse. Okay. Next year's dictionary will be anchor (laughs) Anchor jokes. But what is a dad joke in terms of the definition? Okay, well, the definition is actually quite hilarious. It is a wholesome joke of the type said to be told by fathers with a punchline that is often an obvious or predictable pun (laughs) or a play on words and is usually judged to be endearingly corny or unfunny. Basically, it's a joke that is too obvious to be intelligent or hilarious. Oh, man, they're reading my mail. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is that is precisely what all my kids say to me. Exactly that. I think that is just the worst dad joke. All right, what else is on the list? Go to the top of this. What is what is deep state? Okay, so deep state refers to an alleged secret governmental network operating extra legally. So it's a term that's been around for a long time, but it's gotten a lot more relevant lately in the political sphere. So that's been added. Um, But there's also a lot of new words that have been added that are just sort of abbreviations. And I don't know if they're necessarily words that deserve to be in the dictionary, but I'll give you some examples. So vacay for vacation. Vacay. I use that all the time. You're ahead of the trend. Wow. Look at me ahead of the curve (laughs) with my dad jokes and my vacays. Another one is inspo for inspiration. Uh Uh-huh. Sesh, the shortening of session. Yes. And (laughs) fabulosity, which is one I like, and that refers to a fabulous quality, state, or nature. Fabulosity. Yeah. I'm in fabulosity after my quick (laughs) sesh at the gym. (laughs) Followed by your dad jokes. (laughs) (laughs) That is some good stuff in there. Uh, What else do we have? what What is escape room actually gets into the dictionary? That seems to be a bit of a fad. That thing won't be something we'll talk about in 10 years. Yeah, I was kind of shocked to see escape room too because we've seen them pop up. They're all over Toronto, you know, these sort of game type rooms, but now that's a tap, you know, that's a term that's been added to the dictionary. Um Stinger was another one that I thought was interesting. So that refers to a scene that appears during or after the closing credits of a movie. A stinger. A stinger. I would have thought that was like a pain thing. You always hear about that in, in, in football. Always oh, got a stinger. But yeah. no. Okay, it's the thing that comes at the end. Laura Hensley, thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank you so much. No worries. As we talk about all of these new words that are now in the dictionary. Well, listen, this radio sesh is done. Finished. I have one quick story. Can I do it? Can I do a Florida story for you? Authorities in Florida say a man and woman who were stopped for drunken bicycling on a, in a Florida beach town then had sex in a deputy's patrol car before one of them fled naked. I don't know about you, but getting arrested and thrown into the back of a cop car, to me, that doesn't say sexy time. But to these folks, that's what happened. 